0: Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Dan, and today in studio I'm with two friends and an awesome guest. Rob McDowell, Divine Renovation coach. Good to see you, buddy. It's great to be here, Dan. And Mike Tanner, comms and marketing man extraordinaire at Divine Renovation. Good to see you, Mike. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Rob. And today we have a special guest with us. We've got Steve Fore, an author of from uh, Surviving to Thriving, The Ten Laws of Grateful Leadership. Also, like some of the members of our staff, actually, he has a, a past career as an engineer. So from engineer to to a, a a gratitude, I'm not sure what to call him, a gratitude expert, a gratitude a, a, a aficionado. Uh, anyways, it's good to see you, Steve, and welcome to the to the podcast.
1: Awesome to be here with you guys. Thanks. Uh, really looking forward to the conversation.
0: Excellent. So, Steve, I, I'm, I'm very eager to talk to you about your book before that though. Before that, how in the world do you go from being an engineer to a a gratitude guy? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I want to tell you, I'm the oldest of five. So I grew grew up and uh, responsibility was a a big value of mine. You know, know, Mm -hmm. any any of you guys oldest? I'm oldest. I'm only. Only? Youngest. Youngest. Anyone a middle child? No middle child. No. They're not allowed to work here, actually. They're not? No, yeah, we, we don't hire middle children. Yeah, child. no, no, no. it's, it's a policy. It's today, a, it's actually, a <laughs> today is, is National Middle Child Day. Is it really? Oh, wow. <laughs> Everyone forgot about it, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, I, I grew up the oldest of five here in Halifax, and so responsibility was a big value of mine, and, um, I, you know, got through school and did things, but I, I was always a very positive person but very judgmental, right? Because mm-hmm. so this whole idea of responsibility is this, you want something in your life, you're going you're gonna to work for it. You've got to do the work. And, you know, so if someone was panhandling on the street or whatever, I have some money, it's like, get your own money. This is my money. You want money, you get money. That, that was my <laughs> attitude, right? So I, was, I thought I was this self-made man. I thought any of my successes... It was not that I didn't have help from, because I grew up in an amazing family and, you know, supportive wife. So going through school and all the things that I did. And and uh, so I'm working as an engineer and I have this realization and I call it an aha moment where I I realized it was as if my life was handed to me on a silver platter, mm-hmm. right? And so I go from this, I did it all, and my success is whether they're big or small. I thought that was all me to realizing my entire life is a gift, mm-hmm. right? Uh, just this. And uh, so I was in grad school at the time. I was doing a business degree, and you know, and I had all my coursework done. I had to do some research on a thesis. So you, you, know, you walk into the dean's office in 2000 and say, look, I want to do my research on the connection between gratitude and charitable giving. You get a pretty weird look, right? <laughs> Anyhow, you know, I, I I did my research on that, and uh, and and when I finished, what we what we found was that gratitude was at the heart of generosity, hmm. and uh, you know I said to my wife, "Hun, I think this is what I got to start doing," and you know so she supported me. I left my job, started this. That was twelve years ago, and oh, wow, uh, yeah, and so. That anth- that's sort of the the long story, dude. I gave you the longer versions. So.
0: That's that. Well, that's quite. A, it sounds like quite a, a journey, at, like to to step out of out of your 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 professional yeah. uh, career and to,
1: and to take that leap. Was it scary? Um. It 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 wasn't, and um, you know, I, I was. We didn't make the decision lightly. There's no because you know we're not financially independent. We had a mortgage. We had kids that are going through school, and and so it's like, what do we do? And I just I just felt this <clears throat> calling, mm. you know. And and so you know, you have everything written down on paper, the pros, the cons, and you're trying to figure out, do you do this? Do you not do this? And 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 I I took it to a a really close friend and colleague of mine. I said, you know, how do you how do you know? Him? Like, how do I know? And and he said, you'll just know. Mm. And for an engineer, (laughs) when he said that, I got it. I I didn't need all the proof that this is going to work or whatever the case was, and I just knew. Anyhow, the first year, I only earned like 25% of my income, and my wife would be looking at me, she'd say, Stephen, how much longer are we going to do this? (laughs) I'm thinking, baby. This gratitude thing is what I do now. <laughs> and, you know, it did, uh, we, we did turn, a, turn it around, and uh, it's been going for 12 years. So it, it wasn't scary, but it wasn't, you know, I, I guess just having trust and hope mm. and faith. That, right. that, that certainly played a part in, and, and, and there, was, there would always be, well, I could always go back and be an engineer if I wanted to.
0: So Steve, last week, the, the three of us um, had the conversation around gratitude as best we could in your absence. I, I've seen it. and so we, we did our best, and, and in fact, Mike, you might remember there was a moment where, where one of our co-hosts, I think it was Rob, might have mentioned uh, might have mentioned the, the attitude of gratitude <laughs> quote
2: I didn't, I didn't hear anyone else bring that wisdom to the table at that time <laughs> so, I'm
3: surprised he didn't pay any. One to edit that out.
0: <laughs> it's get, it's you know, amazing that so got stuck in out. there, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. The attitude of gratitude, Rob McDowell. <laughs> so, so you know, help us understand gratitude a little bit better because you just you actually decided to write a book about it. Yeah. So what what was the driving factor there?
1: You know, I I've been doing this work around gratitude, teaching gratitude and, and why and how to make it a, a personal and a collective practice within organizations. Because of the fundamental change it had in my life. Mm. And, you know, for me, that aha moment, I didn't travel to the developing world. I didn't have this mm. major tragedy fall on my family or anything. It was just this probably over a couple months and had that realization. And, and it just profoundly changed who I was and seeing my life as a gift and how it just transformed how I showed up in the world as a father, as a husband, as a as a community member, and um, so I, I just saw the power in that. So of 12 years of doing this, it's just, I, I know that gratitude is, um, it's at the foundation of living a thriving life, and we live in a society when we, we, we the Western world lives in the most opulent, mm. <laughs> we live in the most opulent society in our wor- in, in, in human history. And, um, you know, according to the United Nations World Happiness Report, we're decreasing in happiness. Right. You know, when you look at the work that Gallup th- is doing in, in, in employee engagement, and, you know, for as long as they've been measuring it, like, there virtually has been no change. 70% of people don't like going to work. Like, people are unhappy, and I was at a, a conference last fall, which really cemented it in my mind. Um, is the dream of one billion happier people, and uh, so why I wrote the book is a, a step in that direction to uh, to get this idea, this simple, simple idea, simple idea of gratitude into as many hands and heads. And hearts, because mm-hmm. this isn't just a head thing. As you know, if you're if you're a disciple of, of Christ, you know this is. You don't just get it here; you have to get it inside. And gratitude is no different. And um, and I want that this book to, to to help do that.
3: One of the things that I that I really liked that that struck me from the book um, was when you talk about patience and kindness as you as you were discovering what you were meant to do. And I think you know we talk about people that they're unhappy in their work. We're asked, you know, at younger and younger ages, to make decisions about exactly what we're going to do for our future. So, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that process for you of of how you were able to to be patient when you knew that what you were doing wasn't what you were meant to do. Mm-hmm.
1: You yeah, know, so that's a really good question. Thanks for that, Mike, because uh, it's a passion of mine to help people just. Not- just to have that conversation and dialogue with folks, because I struggled through it. You know, I was, from the outside, we, I lo- it looked like, oh man, perfect family and all this stuff. And I liked what I was doing as an engineer, mm-hmm. and it, it shaped how I think and how I, how I approach and teach gratitude and use that. But I knew it wasn't what I was, what God planted me on this earth to do but I didn't know what it was. And I found myself very frustrated. And um, I remember I was working with a coach and I I write about it in the book. Mm -hmm. And um, when I started coaching with him, he was my coach and uh, he said, Steve, I'm here 24 seven for you. Okay. I'm thinking yeah, like I'm going to call you Keith. (laughs) (laughs) I'm home one day working and thinking about my goals, my future. And then I'm bawling my eyes out crying. Because I'm feeling like I'm in the middle of the ocean, drifting in a boat with no oars, just randomly going, blah, 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 blah. and I, it's like I know I have a purpose. Called the phone, call Keith, and uh, he said, What's going on? And I told him, and he said, Steve, at least you know. I said, What do you mean? Well, you know you have a purpose, a lot of people don't. We are, we're all so uniquely gifted, mm. and it's just being able to, to see and uncover and polish those gifts and to be patient to do it. Some people can get it really quickly. <laughs> and Keith just gave me, permi- he gave me permission to allow myself time to find it. And that, when he said that, it was like he took the weight of the world off my shoulders. But I, was, I still had this, I, I want to get it. I need to get to where I want to go. But it took the pressure off. It really did.
2: I'd be curious to know, uh, Steve, because, again, you you talk about the part of this that's the head and the heart. But a lot of times when we talk about gratitude, it tends to be more anecdotal evidence or our experience, things like that. But I'd love to know in your research uh, some of the things that were helpful, maybe from more of an intellectual perspective, whether those studies were, were there things in particular that when you came across it, like probably confirmed some of what you were thinking, but was really helpful in kind of working through some of this stuff?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, and a lot of it, a lot of other research that has been completed in the last 15 to 20 years has really reaffirmed a lot of things that, you know, our parents and grandparents have been teaching us all along. It's like, yeah, that that makes scientific sense. So you can keep doing it. Right. (laughs) Um, But, you know, what what we know intellectually with gratitude is that, you know, gratitude, you know, grateful people are are happier. Grateful people are more likely to uh, to achieve their important life goals. You know, grateful people they sleep more soundly, they they exercise more regularly, they have better resistance to viral infections. Gratitude insulates us from things like, you know, aging and hopelessness, depression, and and so there's so this intellectual and and you know when I work with companies, you know, a lot of times they'll say, well, just come in and tell us how it works. <laughs> that's not going to work. You know, if you want to just know how you, we've got to take it from hit, you know, in business, people need to know how it works, but we need to get it into our heart. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then, and sometimes people don't get it until you actually get it right. Till you actually get, until it.
2: others have their aha moment that you experienced. Did, you know,
1: w- one of the first sessions I did, uh, with a, with a company around here and, uh, do this exercise and i get people to go into small groups make a gratitude list and then talk about it one of the owners comes up to me afterwards and he says how could i be so stupid i you know i went into that conversation with my colleagues his employees i got nothing written down on my gratitude list <laughs> he's got like a 100,000 dollar car sitting in the driveway and he and he relates to me this story of of one of his employees who said, I'm grateful because when I drop my son off at the bus in the morning and I wave goodbye to him, I know I don't have to worry about whether I'm going to see him at the end of the day or not. Mm -hmm. And some of my, my brothers back home, they don't know when they're leaving their kids. And he he says, how could I be so stupid? And so it, it was for him that was this thing that he had just? We start going around the world and we don't even realize it's just you know how we take things for granted. Mm-hmm. Gratitude is the antidote for taking things for granted.
0: It's an interesting. Last week we we talked a little bit about um, what the opposite of gratitude was, and we we had a, a degree of disagreements about it, uh, and we didn't land on anything. And, and my, I I couldn't get any more clever than well, the opposite of gratitude is. Ungratitude. Well, help me understand these terms. What, what what are what's the opposite of gratitude? What is like?
1: Help me with the words. Yeah. So so the way I frame it up is that in any circumstance that you find yourself, like us here at this podcast, uh, where we're going to find ourselves for dinner tonight, or where you're you know going to end up being at three o'clock this afternoon, is that there are one of three states of gratitude that we could possibly be in. We could either be grateful seeing it as a gift, the interactions we're having, whatever it is. Um, the opposite of grateful, I say, is ingrateful. It's the antithesis of gratitude. This is the place where it's, where I'm in something, this cup isn't good enough, right? Do you, you see, mm-hmm. what, that, That's ingrateful. I can't believe the water's warm. I want cold water. This isn't good enough for me. That, that would be ingrateful. That's not a nice... When people are ungrateful, we know it very quickly.
0: Mm. Um,
1: in the middle is what I would say is ungrateful. And ungrateful is, I describe it as the absence of gratitude, neither grateful nor ingrateful. Mm. And that's where this, this place where we take things for granted you think of the, the freedoms we have, the gift that Christ gave us, that we, how we can just go through our days without even realizing that the people closest to us in our lives, oftentimes those are the ones where we're not necessarily ingrateful, but how grateful am I every day for mm-hmm. the gift of, of love that my wife gives me and has been doing for, you know, coming on 34 years now, right? So, um, and, and if you think of it, you know, some of the... Um, Uh, philosophers or theologians might think, uh, moral, immoral, and amoral. Amoral Mm -hmm. is that absence of morality, Gratitude would ungrateful ungr- would be that absence of gratitude. Now
0: you're killing me though. Now, come on, Steve. All of a sudden, I went from thinking I'm either grateful or ungrateful to recognizing that if I'm not being grateful, <laughs> I live in ungratefulness. Ah, that, that that can be that. That's a bit oppressive. I'm, I'm feeling the I'm feeling the weight of that because I know I'm not grateful enough. I don't recognize and I don't experience gratitude mm-hmm. in the way that I ought. Um, and so recognizing that, and then now you're labeling it with, because you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, I was thinking ungrateful was like ingrateful. That, you know, right. that that's. Yeah. I, I knew I wasn't on that side of the spectrum. My right. cup is just fine, Steve. But now, now that there's a third point on the scale, I'm recognizing I live perhaps far too often. Your
3: cup is full of hot coffee. It is. It is. It, you have a cup. You're not. But I wasn't
0: grateful for it until I realized I need to be. I was right. just. It and just I, happened to be here.
3: I, I had the same thought as you're going through it. I'm thinking. Oh, so just saying this is awful is not the opposite. You know, it's not the same as, as just not recognizing it and not being able to to see it. Mm. I mean, I, I think when we, when, we, when we look at this from a parish perspective, when, when I'm just sitting there in the pews, my, my thought is sort of, well, I'm here. And so I'm here. So obviously that's, I'm not I'm not, not faithful because I'm here. Right. But if I'm just there... And I'm not actually acting in faith, acting in gratefulness. That's not maybe as positive a place as I maybe thought it was. So I have to rethink everything.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling the weight of it. All right, let's, let, let, let's shift the topic so I don't feel so, so, so judged by you, Steve. Uh, <laughs>
2: Oh, I, I found a lot of clarity in it, and kind of yeah, well, that, under, this is it. Well, that, you know, clarity of can it, often so. make things
0: feel uncomfortable, right? <laughs> <So. True. laughs>
2: I guess so. Yeah, if you say so. I'm, I'm thankful, and gra- I have gratitude that he <laughs> that he uh, that he helped us uh, work through that. So I'm not feeling guilty. I'm thankful right now.
0: I'm I'm I am as well. Now I'm going to move on to the to another question, though, so that I can I can wrestle with some of this on my own personal time later in prayer. Um, but so one of the things uh, related to your book, you seem to to lean into this leadership thing. How do you how do you define leadership?
1: You know, I think everyone would define leadership differently. Um, if you ask me this afternoon, I might give you a little different answer than I e- even give you this morning here. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to me, leadership is about influence. Uh, how, you know, how we influence others by how we show up. That's as simple as, uh, you know, because our example and how whatever we do in showing up, we influence others. So leadership to me is about influencing others. And and so the connection to gratitude, because how I show up when I'm grateful is massively different Mm. than when I'm ingrateful. And Dan, just because I... I say, I know this doesn't mean I don't swing over to this ingrateful side myself too, right? Because I'm human. Uh, so gr- gratitude is this thing that it, it, it enables us and enables you and me and, and everyone to be able to show up as the, you know, the best leader of, of, of themselves that they can be. Yeah.
3: Well, I was just going to say, you, you talk in the, in the book about the idea of, you know, one of, one of the ideas is keep it simple but that simple and easy are not the, the synonyms that we think they are. They, they are, they are very, very different. So maybe uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about when you're working with leaders, what are some things that you get them to do to cultivate that practice of gratefulness in their own life so that they can then continue that throughout their, their throughout their organization?
1: Yeah. Cause, Cause gratitude, you're right. It begins with me. Mm-hmm. I, like, as a leader, I can't make you or you, I can't make anyone else grateful. I need to build that into myself. And, and then I can create an environment where it encourages other people to, 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 to discover it or to rediscover it or to grow more in themselves, in their own. And, um, and I'm, I'm just going to take a little bit of a, a side route here to get back to your question is... Um, You know, when you're bringing gratitude into uh, intentionally into an organization, whether it's a company or a parish or a volunteer group, the caution or the thing that we need to be mindful of is, um, you know, if your boss comes to you and says, "Uh, Mike, we need you to take this course on, um, uh, you know, project management, Oh, great, I'll be a better project manager. Your boss comes to you and says, "Mike, we need you to take this course on gratitude." What's wrong with me? <laughs> right? So there is this natural. We got to be careful, right? This book, I didn't write this book because people are broken and need to be fixed, right? It's not because of that. It's because we we need to grow as human beings, and so um, what leaders can do is is to own it deeply themselves mm-hmm. and. In the book, I talk about four simple practices, and, and these, the, you know, they're so simple, but they're not easy. You know, it, it's, it's like trying to quit smoking, right? You know, I saw mom and dad both, who both smoked for a long time. Quitting smoking is simple. Just stop smoking. But it isn't easy. Mm-hmm. And so gratitude is, you know, similar to that. It, it, it's very simple. But it's not always easy because of the demands of everything. You know, think of daily prayer. That's simple, but it's not always easy because we have all these demands and things that are pulling at us. And so, the 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 number one practice that I teach leaders is just make a list. Three things: make a list of what you're grateful for and write it down, or put it in an app. Some mm-hmm. don't just do it up here mm-hmm. in your brain. Put it on paper or elect- record it somewhere. Mm. Let's start there and, and then start teaching that within your within your organization, within, with the people you lead. And, you know, when I talk about leaders in the book, I don't care if you're the CEO of Coca-Cola or you're uh, babysitting someone down the street as a 12-year-old. You are a leader because you're influencing others.
2: Mm. Steve, you, you started off saying that this is everybody has to... Uh, understand their own responsibility, but how often you find in our world today that we outsource our thankfulness to our circumstances in the sense that, well, I can be thankful if, you know, I get up in the morning and my kids do everything that I tell them the first time and things go well. And then when I drive to work, I hit only green lights. And, you know, so I, you know, that's the type of, you know, my, my circumstances are all lining up for me so I can be thankful versus all that stuff doesn't happen, and then I can't be thankful because life is terrible and you know, all that sort of stuff. Right. Do you find that that uh, is a shift that people have to make, or I was just curious whether that's anything that you see or speak into?
1: Yeah, it, it is, because what, what you're talking about are the circumstances of life, right? Because all of us have things that are going on in life that you could quantify as either positive, negative, or neutral right? So everything falls into that. And what I know is that, and from every person I've talked to, they all have positive, negative, and neutral things going on in their world. And it's about what, what has our attention? What has our focus? And if the negative has our attention, our focus, we get dragged down. And mm. we're, we're, we're not grateful. If we can focus on the positive, it doesn't make the negative go away. This is the key. It doesn't make the negative or the challenges and, and, and things in life that we would rather put to side and not have happen. It doesn't make those go away. But from a positive, grateful frame of mind, it reframes how we make sense of the negative things, of the challenges in life, right? And it enables us to better deal with them. Because when we're in a, a negative state of mind versus a positive state of mind, um, our brains, we, we really limit the executive function of our brain. And, and the executive function is what controls critical thinking, our ability to, 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 uh, to strategize. So if we're in a negative mood, that's the worst time to, to make a decision or to send an email quickly, right, with something. But being in a positive frame of mind, it enables us to make better decisions. And so, it, you know, and gratitude it helps us do that. So when all these other things are happening, it shifts us to be able to spend more time over here so we're able to see the good. Ah, I'm driving. You know, I have this vehicle that I am driving here, you know, and I'm fortunate for this vehicle. Mm. And uh, I have the time to think, Uh, you know, the traffic is long, so I have an extra half hour to gather my thoughts before I get into the office um, and not get dragged down by all the other things.
3: I've shifted some of my some of my thought processes in that. Like you know, I used to be someone who, if I was stuck in traffic, I would just be like, "Please, please let you know, let me catch all these lights." And now I often think like, especially if I'm alone, how often during my day do I get the chance to be alone with my thoughts, to think, to to do these things? And so I think it it really shifts those things. You know, I think when we when we approach problems from the standpoint of we have a lot good going for us. And so now I can, I can approach it. I think it just changes the whole conversation of our life it, so dramatically.
1: It, it totally does. Um, Ten years ago, we used to live west of Halifax in Tantallon. Our kids had friends all over the place. So it's a rural area. And if our kids were going to any friend's house, it was 15 minute to half hour drive. And I remember driving staff to a friend of hers down close to Peggy's Cove. I got a half hour down, half hour back, and then another half hour down to get her and a half hour back. (laughs) Two hours out of my night. Oh, Steph. She's 14, 15 years old. And then I just reframe it. You get to spend an an hour in the car with your teenage daughter to talk to her. And the other hour, you get to drive on one of the most beautiful roads and vistas Mm -hmm. in the world. What are you complaining about? And it's just that whole how you make sense of it. And what I focus on there, I feel it in the essence of my body, whether I feel dragged down by my negative uh, perspective on it or a positive uplifting take. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Steve, uh, a lot of the people who listen to our podcast are in leadership roles inside of churches, whether they're pastors, priests, um, or or in lay leadership of some variety. In your book, you talk about the hierarchy of, of leadership. Can you take us inside the mindset of a leader?
1: Yeah, I, I just at the highest level, right? So I, you know, we work up from this, uh, you know, four tiers, and so you think at the bottom is surviving, right? And that is where life is. Drudgery and all aspects of life. Uh, The next level is striving, and striving just in a in a nutshell is life's hard work. Like everything seems like a struggle. Arriving is that's a good place. You know, we might find ourselves slipping back. You know, into into striving mode, and thriving is where life is a it's a playground, and and. When I say that, it doesn't mean that we don't have challenges, right? Whether they're financial, relationship, physical, um, it doesn't mean we don't have challenges. It just, it change, it, it, it's really about how we make sense and how, uh, like really mindset is foundational. It, it's based on what our beliefs and attitudes are about how we make sense of the world. And when I'm in a survival mindset or striving mindset, I'm not able to live, you know, I'm comparing myself to others. Mm. I'm not comparing myself, again, only to the, you know, the person that I aspire to be, right? You know, because a thriving mindset, I'm not comparing myself to others and what others have because I'm grateful for what I have. It might, I'm, it's okay for me to want something else, but it doesn't mean that I don't, I'm not grateful for what I have today. And, um... And, you know, one of the things that I see is just so many people stuck in this, um, you know, mindsets of, of of survival, not being able to break through to and you know and spend more time arriving or uh, ideally thriving. And um, and you know, I I see an invisible barrier that that keeps people stuck there, and and that barrier is a uh, you know to remove it, just hold on to. One simple belief, I am worthy and I have much to be grateful for. That simple, just hold on to that belief, Mm. right? You are worthy and you have much to be grateful for. And when I say that, you have much to be grateful for, I don't want to say it in a, you should be grateful. You know what I mean? I, I believe everyone. On this planet is worthy and has dignity because they're children of God, and I believe that everyone has much to be grateful for. And if we can hold that belief in ourselves, that get, opens the possibility for people to to break through and to have and live a thriving life. Mm.
2: Would it be fair to say, Steve? Because you've mentioned a couple times, you know, it's like it's not. You know, you'll still have problems. So you're not trying to get us to deny reality and, you know, put blinders on, stuff like that. But would you say a little bit of what you're trying to do is to get people to rethink in terms of the weight that they place on the different circumstances or the different situations of their lives, right? So you're you're still gonna have those bills and you're still gonna have those challenges and whatever is causing you to not thrive in your life, but you're you're kind of intentionally processing in in terms of and placing more weight. On what it is that drives us towards?
1: Yeah, you know, there, there's a couple of good things about our human nature. like um, anthropologists will tell us that you know we evolved you know, to where we are today, and our brains developed to where we are today, uh, because we had very strong survival abilities. When, when humans lived in, in the woods and, uh, and there was danger all around. It was really important. What's that? Right? It was really, mm. really important to be able to identify negative, mm. right? Because survival, survival depended on because you could be dead. That, 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 that was the number one thing. So our brains are hyper-focused on, uh, on the negative. And, um, but we're in a society where we don't live where there's fear around every corner, there's, uh, but our, bra- our brain hasn't caught up to that. And so we are, we're hyper-focused. Our brains are hyper-focused to the negative. And, and so we give more weight to the negative. Our brain, your brain, my brain, we notice the negative more than we notice the positive. right? We, and, you know, and when we get something new or something good happens, we adapt to it. And then once we adapt to it, it becomes something that can very quickly take for granted. And then we, so we no longer, so it's hard to be grateful. And so I, I call it this unrelenting force that is continually trying to force you and me and the people that you lead back into survival mode, trying to get us to focus on the negative mm. and to adapt to situations as they, you know, as they, as, as they, uh, as they arise, good things happen. I get a raise; it feels good. Six months later, I need a raise, right? Because I've ad- adapted to it. One one of the
3: things that I I wonder for, for leaders is that I think a lot of the steps make a lot of sense to me. Like if I'm if I'm in survival mode, I can understand very clearly why I would want to get out of that out of that mode. And and when I'm in striving mode, I can understand why that's a that's a a lot of work and why that can be painful how do you remove the complacency that could exist when you get to the arriving state, when you start to feel like I can breathe? How do you take people from arriving? Like we, we talk all about from maintenance to mission in, in what right. we do. And so it, for a lot of people, they think, well, I'm maintaining, everything's fine, everything's kind of okay. I don't feel like everything's falling apart. How do you get people to move from arriving to thriving? thriving. Well, what, what's, that, what's that crucial? Like, if you could discern that into one which I know you can't, but if you could,
1: where? how do you do that? Okay, so let, let's back up can, and because we look at this uh, surviving, striving, arriving, and thriving. As I, I mean, just look at your day yesterday. Where were you spending most of your time, right? Because <laughs> You it, it can, weren't here yesterday, <laughs> Steve, I can tell
0: you. Right? It was a
1: busy day. Right, because so, yeah. it, it, it can change by day. Mm. It can change in the area of your life you're in. Because you might say, I'm thriving in this area of my life, but I feel like I'm striving here, right? So it, in any given, so, but overall, I'd say, okay, where do you find that you spend most of your day? Where do you want to spend more time? Like, where you're spending most of your time, is it where you want to? Where do you want to spend most of your time? And then, okay, well, what we know, uh, Martin Seligman has a, a model for human flourishing, and it's called PERMA, Positive Emotion, E, P for positive emotion, E for engagement, emotional commitment to whatever you put your hand to. Uh, R are positive relationships. So you've got these positive relationships with the people in your life. Uh, M, meaning. You have a sense of meaning by what you do. And A is achievement. So you're you're contributing and making a difference, right? And so under this model are 24 positive character strengths. Um, everything like hope, love learning, um, that, that underlie it. And so one of his uh, former PhD students said, 24? How do I work on 24? Like, <clears throat> to your point, how do you get from yeah. there to there? He said, how do I work on 24? What if I work on one? So he took a study, boiled it all down. Guess what the one character strength to work on is? If I had to guess, it'd be Gratitude bingo, you're going to get something at the end of this. Right? <laughs> it's amazing. So gratitude is this thing. This is that best predictor of living mm. a flourishing, thriving life. Mm. And so what I would say is just keep doing that same thing, making your gratitude journal every mm. single day, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. to spend more time there. This is a journey, right? To expect something's going to happen, bang, just like that overnight. Th- that's not realistic. So what we want to do is is, is build and train our muscles, our gratitude muscles, which is really how our brain's wired. And what we can do is by making that gratitude journal. We're notice, we're intentionally noticing the good, right? And the all the thing the kids not doing what we tell them and being late. And but when we make the journal, it's like oh, the beauty of the sound of kids yelling at each other and just mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. We we start noticing it, and. Our brains start and they know we're going to do it again. So our brains start looking for it. And so you get gooder and gooder and gooder at noticing the good. And you start, and your brain rewards you because you get a shot of dopamine every time you notice mm-hmm. these things. Mm-hmm. So just continuing with that simple practice.
2: What I, I was just reflecting on when you're talking about the concept of human flourishing and a lot of what you were sharing was if you go back to even like the creation story in Genesis how God created humans, right? Like God created humans to flourish. And I I don't remember all five, but you talked about relationships and achieving, you know, we were, we were created for God to, you know, subdue the earth and multiply and things like that, you know, and then obviously we're, we have to wrestle through our, our brokenness, but, you know, through, through Christ coming to the cross, he wants us to come back and, and allow his presence to bring us to a place of wholeness where we can flourish. You know, and, and the fact that, that what you're sharing is very consistent with the outcomes of what we want to see happen in people's lives, you know, from the standpoint of, yeah, we were created to be whole people. We were created to flourish, you know. Um, it, it isn't the, the, the struggles and the frustrations and the pain and the hurt that we go through isn't anything that God uh, de- designed us to experience in life. It's a consequence of, of living in a fallen world. But coming back to a place, do we have a vision of flourishing? Uh, in our lives, as opposed to you know, and I think gets back to you know that that uh, thriving part of things that that we can, and that this is something that God uh, desires for each of us uh, in our lives as well. So it's not uh, a purely, uh, while people probably have the ability to do it in their own strength. It's not something we necessarily have to do in our own strength mm. as well, right? Through the this, this standpoint of having Christ's presence in our lives with us, right?
0: Uh, One of the things, so we've talked a bit about the the importance of, you know, as leaders,
2: how how we have to to
0: be in in a practice of gratitude and, and recognizing the importance of gratitude in our, in our, in our lives, but the question I have, because there's so many leaders, I mean, you're talking to thousands of leaders right now, Steve. So as you, as you speak into these, these leaders, like so many of them have, have, you know, I got a challenge. I need to get my team more engaged. I've got, I've got all these volunteers. How do I get them to, to like how, translate for me this, 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 this notion of gratitude translated into that context? Because you work with teams, you work with, with organizations. So make it real for me. What, what, what should I do?
1: One, you start with you. And two is that we want to teach this simple thing and and, and share share the, this news of, of how gratitude works and 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 teach people by by uh, you know you can have you can do sessions and and expand it into your team, but then you can even take the practices and and bring them into your organizational culture and and just there, there's four habits that I maybe just kind of share with you so that these leaders. You do these four habits, probably take six to eight minutes a day. Number one, make a list of what you're grateful for, right? Number two, read or listen to or consume. Listen to what other people are grateful for. Because we need to get, on the days when it's hardest for me, I need to hear from someone else what it is. And it helps recalibrate me just like that guy in the session that I, I did. And he said, how could I be so stupid? Once he hears someone else say something, something that he took for granted, all of a sudden now he's grateful for. Mm-hmm. And so think of this in your teams. You start a team meeting. Okay, what we're going to do is everyone, we're going to go around the table, we're going to say something we're grateful for. And when you're starting, you know, sometimes for people, depending on, you know, where they are, you might say, just what was the best part of your day? Right? That's an easy, you know, easy way in. But you start getting the language of gratitude in. It's like, what's one thing you're grateful for? Go around the table. It totally changes how the conversation happens in your meetings. Then you can mix it up. And it's going to be like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to go around the table. And we're going to say one thing we're grateful for about someone else in the room. And you can only get picked once. So Mike picks Rob. Rob does Dan. Dan does Steve. And we all edify and build each other up. And so all of a sudden, you know, the sacramental prep and someone else in a, you know, in another area in liturgy, they're, 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 they're building each other up. And so, and they, and they begin to see a greater picture of their collective success is their interdependence with Love one that. another, yeah. right? Because it's this, go back to me, I'm a self, I was the self-made man. To this place of interdependence, because it's not like I'm totally dependent, because that's victim, right? It's this. I see myself interdependent with others, and my success as interdependent with others. So you get a team start doing that, right? So sharing your gratitudes with others. Number three, or, or uh, number two was um, was uh, listening to others' gratitudes. Three is is sharing what you're grateful for, and so that that exercise at the table does those first three habits. Mm -hmm. And the fourth habit is something simple. I say, say thank you. And that's the expression of gratitude. Because gratitude, there's two sides to it. It's like a coin. Internally, we experience it um, as a feeling. Primarily, it's a feeling. But that feeling causes us to need to act and do something, right? Because when you receive a gift, which is what gratitude is about, you get that feeling. When you feel like you receive a gift, what do you want to do? Say thank you, and mm-hmm. so in saying thank you could be smiling. It could be saying thank you. It could be let's go to lunch, grab a coffee. It, uh, there's a number of different ways. Um, so using those and teaching those those four simple practices. Have to, you seen it make a difference, Steve? Has it made a difference in teams you've worked with or
0: teams you've you've heard about?
1: Yeah, so, you know, so there's a couple teams that I've worked with over an, an, a number of years, and what what I see and what the leadership team tells me is that what they see is a greater understanding and empathy between people within the team. Very seldom would it show up externally to clients or whoever Mm -hmm. they were serving. But internally, you know how teams sometimes when we're on a team, we can be really hard Mm -hmm. on our colleagues uh, and really very quickly begin to focus on all the negative things and how they're hindering team to be able to – be more cohesive teams. Yeah. What I love about it, Rob,
0: is, is it makes me think of how we how strongly we push
1: at Divine Renovation, how strongly
0: we push having a healthy culture, and and you know because we we know culture eats strategy for breakfast. That you know culture is what drives uh, an organization, and and it's it's often one of the things that's hardest to shift. And when a parish needs to shift its culture, the challenge that that presents is is, is actually it's it's so monumental, and that's one of the things I know a lot of our parishes wrestle with.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we talk so often about uh, the the key to it, and you can have great plans, you can have uh, great ideas, and even a lot of resources from that standpoint. But if you don't have that that culture that people thrive in, right? Um, you're not gonna. You might see some short term success and some short term gains, but the long term success of our organization comes when you change that team culture, organization culture, whatever whatever the, the, the case you know might be, whatever your scope of influence at that particular time is.
3: When you when you have that foundation built, you know there's there's a lot of quotes about you know you can have plans, but as soon as things happen, those plans get you know there's a there's a uh, a Mike Tyson quote uh, right before a big fight. Some this other boxer said, "I've I've got a Peter McNeely. I've got a great plan for how to fight Mike Tyson." And and Mike Tyson said, "Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth." And his idea was, you can have whatever you want as a plan, but you have to rely on what you have. And I think that. When I think of things like a culture of gratitude within uh, an organization or a culture of evangelization within a parish, the plans may not work the way that you have laid them out and, and, in fact, generally won't. And you will have to adjust. But if you don't have anything underneath you when that rug gets pulled out from underneath you, mm-hmm. then you're, you're back at square one. But if you can use these sorts of things as that foundation – uh, then it changes your ability to be flexible as those things change.
0: And just think of how attractive the culture is too, right? Like, a, mm-hmm. oh, so there's an organization where everyone's really grateful for everything they've got and the people they work with. Like, oh, uh, the, 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 just think of how attractive that is to someone who's on uh, who's an outsider. Like, who wouldn't want to be part of that organization? Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't want to be part of that parish where everyone loves each other and is grateful for things that are happening and for what's happening among them and, and for the people that are living and breathing into their lives? I mean, like, that's such an attractive proposition, like, who wouldn't want to build a culture like that? Who wouldn't want to be part of a culture like that?
1: So there's a, there's another piece of um, research that social scientists have, have uh, kind of are moving forward on. Barbara Friedrichson is the one who's kind of the, the root of it. And it's a, a theory note is broaden and build. And it's how humans have uh, over, over centuries and, and thousands of years also developed in their brains this collectiveness together. And and they looked at thriving teams and, and tried to separate, what, what separates thriving teams from languishing teams, mm. right? <laughs> and I don't know, you know, from, or, um, you know, mission-driven or maintenance-driven, you know, mm. what they didn't look at parishes, but you can kind of, that might be the parallel. And And what they looked at was the ratio of positive experiences to negative experiences. And they found that for a flourishing team, it's somewhere between three to 11 positive experiences to every negative experience that the team team members experience. So when I walked in here this morning, uh, I was hugged, I was greeted, I was toured, I was like positive experience, positive experience. But just think, if, 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 if Jamie or whatever walks in, no one acknowledges Jamie, no one smiles, or someone walks by Jamie without even smiling, one, two, three, there's three negative experiences that Jane is going to have. We're going to have to have somewhere 30 positive experiences to make up for that. Mm. And gratitude is a way that we can gener- that, that leaders can instill and model and then multiply with their team to create more positive experiences.
0: It's, uh, I think of um, the opening announcements even just at, at our parish, and how often Father Simon, when he gives the opening announcements, will say, if, if, you're, if you're new here today, just know that we're so grateful." that you're here. I mean, like, mm-hmm. it's just that, that, and, and that's just one example. I mean, there's many things that, that, you know, parishes and our parish do to try and make it convey that sense of gratitude that we've got a guest there. But I, it does, you're reminding me of just how we, we do have some of those very practices built in.
1: And if I'm new in that parish, I'm hearing him talk directly to me because this place has got all these people in it. And I'm new, so I know he's talking directly to me. And that's going to create a very positive experience.
0: Yeah. Steve, I, I can't believe how fast our time's gone on this conversation. It's killing me because I'm like, oh, there's so much more I want to talk about. I even have more questions We're on the list. That, what do you mean? I know, right? But <laughs> okay, so look, is there anything else you, that we didn't have a chance to cover that you thought,
1: you know, we, we should at least have a little brief uh, opportunity to discuss? We covered it, but it's so important. I'm going to say it again. Make a, start making this list. And I know for you guys, just to enhance your gratitude practice, we got a journal to start with you. No, a journal goodies. Thank you very much. Thank you. But seriously, I would encourage your uh, viewers and listeners to if you're if you're not already making a gratitude, making a, a list of what you're grateful for, start it. If you're already doing it, great, go deeper with it, because you can go deeper with it
0: love it wow. Steve so the book is called surviving to thriving the ten laws of grateful leadership uh, you also have a website what's the website address
1: gratitude
0: at work.ca. gratitude at workCA so that's where you can find more of Steve thanks so much for being with us Steve it
1: was awesome to be here
0: it's a real pleasure to have you have <laughs> you with us today it's uh, I, I'm, I wish I do wish we had more time for those of us uh, for those of you out there who are joining us uh, I, I challenge you this is the challenge this is a gratitude challenge. I, uh, you know, Steve's given us some great advice today for practices we can bring into our own lives, for practices we can bring into our parishes and into our work. I, I, I challenge you to, to embrace a couple of them. So let, let this be an opportunity for you to to start writing down those things you're grateful for. We're thinking about how you can implement gratitude practices in sort of in your work environment, in your parish environment. Create the kind of culture, the kind of culture that people are going to be attracted to, that they want to be a part of. And we look forward to being with you again next week. God bless. Thank you.